This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ernition. I'm joined, as always, by the best co-host in the business, Devin Jackson. Before we hear from Devin, um, it's been a while since you guys heard from us. It's been nine days, according to iTunes. Um, Easter weekend, Devin and I both had some things going on. Uh, you know, family obligations, work obligations, health obligations. We're back, don't you worry, week before the draft. Devin, how are you today? Not too bad. Um, we will will be six days from the draft when y'all hear this, but uh, about a week from from the draft as we're recording this, and uh, you know, I think we've all hit that point where film is done, just finalizing rankings and uh, your top board, your uh, your big board, and, and just trying to, to get to draft night because you know, I honestly, I. I'm probably just more mentally exhausted from from a draft class than, than any other one I've done. Yeah, no, I, 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 we were talking about this the other day about like with our with our buddy Damian uh, Parson from the Draft Network about like being mentally ready for the draft to just happen. And I hit that point about three and a half weeks ago, Devin. Uh, <laughs> I've been ready for the draft to come the entire month of April. It just needs to happen already. I'm just tired of the of the drawn out narratives that keep plaguing this class. How many, so how many times? Do? How many times do we have to to talk about somebody being better? Like the the latest one I've seen is like, yeah, Arnold Epichetti is better than Jermaine Johnson. Not just like, oh my god, dude. I mean, I, I heard yesterday that here? Sky Moore was the second best wide receiver in this class. So. What are we What are we doing here? Like <laughs> we've. Like th- these conversations I had months ago, there's no reason we should still be talking about who a top receiver is in, in April. Like, come on, man. It's it, it's getting it's to the point where I just don't care. I just, Devin, I just want to start 2023. Okay. I'm just ready. I'm mental. I'm physically ready for this. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not ready for 2023 yet. Uh, not because I don't want to watch him, but. I'm going to need probably a couple of weeks to, <laughs> to recover from, from this class. Cause I, I probably, I'm not going to, I'm probably going to finish like 130 players that I've actually evaluated, but actually watched. It's like probably like 500. It's crazy. Yeah. No, no, no. If you, if you round up all the guys that we watched over the summer and then, you know, those guys that just, we never ended up having to write a scouting report on them for several different reasons. Uh, you and I are probably both in the three to 400 range minimum because you were watching all of these like division three guys that like were going to go undrafted in the USFL draft, but they were in your conference and draft eligible. Anyways, all that to say, Devin and I are doing a quick two part podcast special today. We're going to go through our top fives and compare at every offensive position. And then on Monday, you're going to hear us do the same thing when it comes to the defense. Um, and then we got a, we got a surprise for you next Thursday, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it. So Devin, are you ready to, to compare these top fives? Let's go for it, man. All right, Devin, we got to talk about it. we got to talk about them. Unfortunately, it is content, so it's allowed. We got to talk about these quarterbacks. However, be, being the gentleman that I am, I'm gonna let you go first to talk about these quarterbacks. Uh, quite the gentleman. Uh, anyway, <laughs> for uh, for quarterbacks, do you want to go five um, to one or like how, how do you want this? Do you want to do like you do like one, I do one, that or you do five, I do five, or are we just doing like five? Let's. Why don't we start at five each? So you do your fifth, I'll do my fifth, and we'll alternate back and forth. Sounds good. Does to that me. work? That was yeah. a very convoluted way of saying that. I apologize. I need more coffee, man. 
All right. So without further ado, number five for me is Sam Howell, uh, quarterback from North Carolina. Um, you know, I, I think there is some intriguing traits with him. And, and obviously, you know, he burst on the scene as a freshman, had a really good sophomore season. Uh, you know, then then you fast forward 2021. I just didn't love what I saw from him. You know, I just saw a player that that just didn't handle pressure well, uh, that that was very inconsistent in his accuracy, like, you know, quick game. He, he was, he was solid RPO game. He was solid. But when, when those are taken away, he had to, to make deeper reads down the field. There were, were a lot of inconsistencies and he had one of the worst deep ball completion percentage in, in, uh, of among draftable quarterbacks. So for me, I see the, the intriguing tools, but, but ultimately I see him as a career backup and, and just don't see, him ever reaching uh, his ceiling of being a starting quarterback. So that's why he ended up at number five for me. We'll hear a little bit more about Howell for me in a second. My number five is actually uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Um, I think he's undersized uh, to be a full-time starter. Um, I think he's wildly inconsistent with his accuracy. There was the 2020 film where it was six interceptions. Um was it a six interception game against Arkansas or was it like six and two weeks? I don't remember. It was six, long... six against Arkansas. Six against Arkansas. I think he had like another three against Alabama. Um, just wildly inconsistent ball placement. Uh, struggles with, with outside hash throws. There's there's a lot to, to work with there, but I'm not sure if you're ever going to be able to realize it. And also, he's coming off an ankle injury in the bowl game. Who knows how ready he's going to be you know uh like health wise by the time he has to report and everything scheme and coaching is going to be crucial for him and also just the rumblings out there about how easy he is to work with not being all that easy to work with uh just there's a lot going into it so matt Crowell, uh, i have a third round grade on him um yeah he's, he's my qb5 yeah, he's my qb6 actually so he's not in my top five but I mean, him and Howell graded out pretty similarly. Uh, I just like Howell a little bit more, but but I, I certainly understand, uh, you know, him at QB5. QB4 for me is Kenny Pickett. Um, there, he's just, for me, I think, you know, obviously he has some some intriguing, not not really intriguing, I'm not, I'm not even going to lie like that, but he, he has kind of that, that mantra where people, you know, tag him as the, the most pro-ready quarterback, but for me, I, I didn't see the the upside that, that some other people see with him. You know, I, I see someone that's a borderline starter, like a Case Keenum-esque player, where, you know, he, he's going to keep you on schedule. He's going to make uh, the, the correct reads and, and take what the defense gives him. But, you know, as, as far as attacking down the field, I, I just didn't see a lot of accuracy when, when he had to you know, throw those timing routes. That, that was one of my, my big issues with them is like the timing routes just weren't always uh, consistent. And, and you know, we, you can make plays on the move and outside of the pocket. I don't think it's going to be his calling card at, at the NFL level. And, you know, he, he just has an okay arm. You know, he's not a, a player that, that you're going to win because of, but, but more so win with. So I don't see any, like, Next, obviously, he has next level traits, but I don't see any transcendent traits where he's going to take a team from, you know, borderline playoffs to a serious contender. I think he's going to keep uh, the status quo for you and, and, and keep you relevant, but, but I don't think he's ever going to be someone that, you know, you can count on to go and win, win games consistently. Your sound cut out there, so I missed the last like four seconds that you, that oh, you said. I, yeah, I was saying just basically, I don't think he's a quarterback you you uh, are going to win a, a lot of games with. Um, the reason I said that uh, we were going to hear more from me about Sam Howell is he's my QB4. Uh, he's also a third-round grade. Uh, I think he's very much kind of in that Baker Mayfield um, echelon of quarterbacks as a ceiling. Uh, and I, I think his ceiling is Baker Mayfield, which to me says that that's probably the third round. I mean, we're seeing, you know, Baker Mayfield talked about being traded for third, fourth round picks. 
Um, this is someone that at his peak is going to be a replacement level quarterback. So, I mean, I think the big thing from, from the moment we started on 2022, there was always the Sam Howell Baker Mayfield comparison and Mayfield was coming off of a much better 2020 season. So people were like, Oh, this is a late first, early second round pick. Well, now it's still like, well, if, if he's Baker Mayfield and we've seen four years of Baker Mayfield at that level, he might end up just being a, like a third round value. Um, everything you said, I totally agree with on, on Howell. I don't really want to waste too much time on quarterbacks. Cause we have a lot of different positions we got to talk about. So Devin, who is your quarterback three? For me, this is Desmond Ritter. I know we both uh, kind of view him uh, a little bit differently, but but I, I like Ritter's athletic ability, ability to, to throw in the move, um, you know, kind of how he was able to, to operate a, a pro-style offense at Cincinnati and understanding, obviously, his, his accuracy concerns are, are going to loom large and uh, rightfully so, you know, he, he, there are times where he looks really good, comfortable in rhythm, uh, throwing on time, throwing in tight windows. There's other times he's just air ma- mailing uh, simple passes. So for me, I think there is a, a huge dichotomy to, to where his confidence is during a game, because when when he's a little bit shaken, he, he can be all over the field, you know, just just being in, inaccurate. But but when he's gotten to rhythm, he, he can. Uh, you know, has time to throw, steps up in the pocket, shows good footwork. I think the keys, uh, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in his class, but we just don't see enough of it consistently. So for me, that's why I end up as QB3. I, I see the, uh, you know, kind of the path for him to, to be a, a starting quarterback at uh, some point down the line. Uh, that's why I pin like Tennessee or Atlanta as, as potential options, because I think he, he will work really well in the bootleg action and, and be you know, about where Ryan Tannehill is, uh, if he can maximize his skills, but the accuracy is the, the big issue and, and, and just not being a consistent quarterback over four years at Cincinnati. But, but he is my QB3. Uh, I still like what he brings to the table, but, but I also understand uh, some of the deficiencies with him. I have Ritter at QB6. Everything you said, except there's just one big problem. I haven't seen him throw more than about three accurate passes in a, in a football game since 2020. So. I just haven't been able to get on board with the hype train. I have him as fourth round grade, but again, we're, we're, we're very close so far. Uh, my QB three is Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think he's got possibly the highest floor out of any of these quarterbacks. And that's not a sentence I have picked. I imagine saying when, you know, the season started back in September, but I mean, he had a great year. Uh, he's more mobile than any of us thought he, he is capable of putting up, some good, some good numbers. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Joe Burrow type rise where he went from day three or UDFA into first round contention. I don't have him as a first round quarterback. I have him as a late second, but all in all, like, I think that he could very, he could be a fine low end starter or a spot starter. I think his floor is high level backup at the NFL level, which given that I just said he has possibly the highest floor says all it needs to, um, you know, I don't really care about the hand size, but he does have problems with turnovers and fumbles. Um, man, let's just keep going. Who's, who's QB two for you? Yeah. So QB two for me is um, Carson strong and obviously QB one is Malik Willis, but, but Carson strong, uh, for me, I understand people's issues with them in terms of the knee, just the 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 raw ability. Uh, I, I think it shouldn't be questioned. Um, it, and people are going to dog him for for playing in a a uh, air raid scheme as well. But but for me, he's the in, in injury injury aside. I think he's the the most complete quarterback in this class in terms of we know exactly what we're going to get from Carson Strong. It's not a question of, of inaccuracy. It's not a question of, of whether or not he's going to take chances, be able to throw passes into tight windows. But but for me, I think he, he just, to me, I, I know what I'm getting from him. And I know it's someone that's not mobile, someone that 
is not going to make plays off schedule. He very much needs to be in a situation where the offensive line is intact. But I think you're going to be able to get the, the best bang for your buck, so to speak. Like if you pick him in the second round and, you know, he turns out to be a okay starting quarterback, you got a okay starting quarterback on a rookie deal. You know, so for me, that's what I kind of think of in this class where, where there's a lot of unknown. You know where you're getting for Carson Strong. You obviously want to see how he's going to be able, able to handle NFL offense after the reports that came out from the Senior Bowl. But but overall, just just the the film and this body of work, uh, I see a quarterback that that can be you know the, a bridge starter or, or a spot starter uh, early in early in his career. But but I, I don't see any you know star potential in this game. I do see a, a decent starting quarterback with him. Yeah, absolutely. He's my QB2 as well. On film, he actually would grade out as my QB1, but when you factor in knee injury, the reports coming out of the Senior Bowl and how he would handle playbooks and, and the offenses, bumped him down a little bit. This is a still second-round grade. Uh, no quarterback received a first-round grade for me. Um, first time, I believe, that's ever happened for me. Um, yeah, just not just not really in love with, the, with this class. But again, like you said, spot starter, you know, low end starter, you know, uh, ceiling floor, unfortunately could be catastrophic due to, due to the long-term health of his knee. Um, and then QB one for me is Malik Willis. Um, I think that like Malik Willis's ceiling is very close to what we see Baltimore use, uh, Lamar Jackson with where he could be an absolute electric star, uh, you know, not the most accurate of quarterback, not the most consistent passer, but the, the feet are, are going to keep, give him at least a chance of staying long term. However, unfortunately, his floor is like Pat White, where he's not in the league in a matter of like a couple of years. Um, if he never really cleans up the mechanics or the accuracy and teams are able to slow him down or, or contain his running game, he's, he's not going to be a player that sticks around all that long. So a very boomer bust prospect in this year's class. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough one because, um, you know, you see the alluring traits he has. You see a player that, you know, can has tools to be a, a great quarterback. But then you also see the issues with his game and, and whether or not he's going to be able to, to stick around. That, that kind of remains to be seen. You know, it, it just it's very tough to, to know where exactly is he going to end up. Uh, when it's all said and done. So for me, uh, I, I agree. I, I, I think, you know, his floor could, could be out of the league after his first contract, but but his ceiling could be, I mean, top 10, top 15 level quarterback uh, if he can put it all together. But that's a big if, and we're not going to see him be a, a starter probably into year two or year three um, in, in, at the NFL level. Or maybe a team decides to, to take some months with them at the back end of year one, if they're already out of playoff contention. Moving on to the running back position. This is a little bit more fun. I like this year's running back class. Uh, I thought I was going to like it a lot more at the beginning of the year, but and just kind of soured on it a little bit. I still think it's it's got a lot of good depth in it, but there's no elite talent. Uh, so, Devin, I'm going to let you start. Who's Who's running back five for you? Running back five is Pierre Strong Jr. Ooh, from South Dakota okay. State. Okay. Um, for me, I, I see a, a path for him to be an immediate contributor contributor at the the uh, the NFL level. Um, you know, and and this this was a, a ranking that that kind of had me learn from last year because I had a lot Elijah Mitchell was in a discussion to be my top five running back last year, but I just was afraid to pull the trigger. But, but I'm, I'm going to do that this year with Pierre Strong Jr. Uh, I like his ability to, to, to make cuts, vision, uh, really burst in the open field, have that breakaway speed. Um, and he has a, he's a little bit everything you, you want from a, a, a running back. I want to see him be better in pass protection, uh, be used more in the, the pass game because I think there's potential there. But – he kind of gives me Arian Foster vibes like he, you know, can can break tackles and, and really uh, take the load, uh, you know, of, of a game. I know he, he was kind of rotating with with Isaiah Davis, who's probably going to be uh, a prospect we watch out for next year. The, the other running back at South Dakota State. But but I really like what he brought to the table. And, and that's why he ultimately graded out as a top five running back for me. 
I like Pierre Strong. I, 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 you and I are a little bit different on him. He's in my top 10, but he's not in my top five. My, my running back five is Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. Uh, I understand his athletic testing was not very good and comparable to Jordan Davis, who outweighs him by about 200 pounds. However, that being said, back to back thousand yard uh, seasons, really good vision, pass catcher, one of the best pass blockers in the class, just one of the overall most complete running backs. I think he's going to find an immediate role with the team, probably going to be kind of the RB2 change of pace back uh you know role at first um or just a pass catching specialist out of the backfield as a rookie um because i don't think that hit you know unlike with a lot of other running backs we may see where there's uh deficiencies in pass blocking he doesn't have those deficiencies so i'm less worried about him right away and finding a consistent role so kyron williams at a notre dame is rb5 for me yeah that makes sense he just missed the top five for me and and it's just because, you know, I, I, I see I, – I like his game, you know, and I think he's going to be the best pass protector immediately and it'd be someone's ultra-productive. But, but I, I just like some of these other guys a little I bit I compared more. him to Bryce Love before Love's catastrophic injury at Stanford. I think that's a good a good uh, comp. I, I, I see no problem with that. Uh, go ahead and go with my number four back. <clears throat> and number four is James Cook. Uh, out of Georgia, um, I, I just really like the, the the versatility he brings to the table uh, in, in terms of uh, being able to be a threat in the passing game. Uh, I think his vision and, and ability to run the football naturally is a little bit underrated because people talk about him as this, uh, you know, maybe Alvin Kamara type of running back where he goes in the third round and, and becomes a, uh, you know, potential starter and, and, you know, really takes the lead by storm. But uh, I, I like his ability as a dual threat running back. I value those type of players a little bit more than, than the, the traditional running backs. But, but I really like what he brings to the table. And, and I think he, he's going to be a, a great fit uh, at the NFL level. My running back for Devin is Jerry and Ely out of Ole Miss. Uh, two-sport athlete, uh, very hyper-productive at Ole Miss. Uh, just, I wrote his scouting report on bluechipscouting.com. But I, I do think that his uh, big playability is going to keep him consistently in a backfield rotation, even if he's never a lead back at the next level, which when you're getting a running back in round three is really what you're kind of hoping for. Teams don't really focus on having a lead back anymore. Uh, it's all about having specialty backs. I think that you have a player in Ely where he's not the greatest pa- uh, pass protector, but again, big play potential out of the backfield as a receiver and as a runner. Uh, always a home run threat, despite not having a blazing, uh, you know, speed profile in his numbers at the combine and pro day, not being exactly um, out of this world. I do think that his ability to change the game on one or two carries is going to keep him, uh, you know, always at the forefront of a team's attack. Who's your RB three? Yeah, with uh, Ely, he he's in my top ten, but but just not didn't didn't crack the top five. Number three for me is Isaiah Spiller um, from Texas A&M. Uh, I, I like his vision. I like his, uh, you know, his, his one-cut ability. Um, you know, he's, he's not the most uh, elusive guy in the open field. He also doesn't have the, the greatest speed and test all that great. But I think his film, you know, tells a, a player that's going to be very productive as a rotational back at the NFL level, as someone that can kind of change the pace, uh, you know, use that great vision to, to exploit backside cutback lanes and holes and, and just overall a, a very, very solid player. So uh, Isaiah Spiller is three for me. Evan, I'm going to give you for my RB3 just the player comp, and you tell me the first player that comes to mind in this class as to who it could be, okay? All right. A rich man's Joseph Adai. Kenneth Walker? No. Reese Hall. Gotcha. Uh, athletic testing, almost identical to Joseph Adai, actually. Uh, if you look at their mock draftables, they're they're almost identical. Running style is 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 the same. Joseph Adai, uh, well, he had a very short shelf life in the NFL. Uh, was dynamic as a playmaker at LSU and early on with the Colts. Uh, Hall's a production machine. Twenty four straight games with a touchdown. Thought he had good vision. He was always a threat in the um, in the receiving game. You're starting to notice a little bit of a. 
uh, you know, of a theme here with my uh, with, with my running backs, eh? Production yeah. and production in the in the in the receiving game. Um, you know what? I the joke at Blue Chip is that I hate Brees Hall, but I actually don't. I actually don't hate Brees Hall whatsoever. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he's running back three. He's a second round grade. Uh, I I I get where people are coming from with the albeit somewhat lazy David Montgomery comps, but I just like the Joseph Adai comparison as well. I think that if he holds up health wise, which he should be able to, there has been a lot of tread taken off of those tires. Uh, you can get someone for the next three to five years that can be a lead back in, in your in your offense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he's going to be fantastic. I think our top three are going to be the same. Just in a different order. Different order. Yeah, so for me, uh, RB2 is Kenneth Walker, and then obviously RB1 is Brees Hall. But uh, RB2, Kenneth Walker, uh, really burst on the scene this year at Michigan State. Uh, was very productive at Wake Forest before he even transferred to Michigan State as well. I think people kind of forget that. But, uh, you know, he, he brings a, a little bit of everything. He has power. He has a looseness in the open field. Um, you know, the short area quickness as well to, to really get out of a phone booth. Um, doesn't also not someone with with a dynamic uh, long speed, but cer- certainly can get it done and, and uh, break open and, and find ways to, to threaten the defense. But for me, I, I think you want to see more in the, the past game. And I don't think it's because it's he can't, because he has receiving. It's uh, just he like, wasn't asked to. Yeah, and, and at Michigan State, they just needed him to be the workhorse. But but at the NFL level, I think he's going to surprise people with his ability to catch out of the backfield and be utilized more as a uh, you know versatile weapon, more so than just straight in the backfield, hanging the ball off from 30, 40 times a game. So I worry a little bit about his shelf life because he took so much, so many carries at Michigan State uh, this past season. But, but I think – you know, as it projects to NFL level, I really like his ability to to be, uh, you know, a dynamic back at, at the NFL level. I also have Kenneth Walker as RB2 for everything you just said. I think he's got a great blend of vision, balance, explosiveness. Um, you know, again, not exactly much of a, a burner, but you don't really need a running back to be a burner in today's NFL. You don't need these running backs going out there being a 4-3 guy. They're as long as they're not like four seven four eight, you're fine. Uh, and even if they are four seven, as long as they have the the requisite power to, to you know to make that work, you're fine. Uh, again, needs to show that he can be something in in the uh, in the pass game, whether that's as a blocker or as a receiver. Um, you could have Kenneth Walker's RB one, and I I wouldn't blame you for it. My RB one, you mentioned him earlier. He's your RB three. It's Isaiah Spiller. I comped him to a, a blend of Cadillac Williams and Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. No fumbles, so you know ball security is not going to be an issue with him. Hyper productive, didn't have a great 40. I understand that. Nobody at Texas A&M had a great 40. Uh, very consistent, five, uh, sorry, 5.5 yards a career all three years. Average 900, uh, hit 900 yards every single season. Uh, 20 catches every single season. While being part of a committee backfield, he's going to be a one A, one B in in a in a split backfield as a rookie. Uh, pass catching ability, can stay on the field. First round worthy tape, just disappointing athletic testing bumped him down to early round two for me. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Uh, but but for me, Brees Hall is, is RB one, and I, I just really like the the ability to. Uh, Great tackles in the open field. Really, uh, he's one of the, the dynamic home run threats in this class. Uh, could be struggling throughout the game, but but then all of a sudden he burst a, a 70, 80 yard run and completely changes kind of the the, the aspect of the game. But I think for him, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be a, be about finding ways to be more effective in between the tackles. I think too many times he bounces the ball outside, which can can cause some issues. But but overall, I think. You know, with that ability, uh, home run ability, I think you, you're getting a player that can uh, threaten, uh, you know, at all levels of the defense. And then obviously the receiving ability, too. Uh, I think he's going to be great on screen. So so I like everything about his game, but but want to see a little bit more consistency uh, in, in terms of being able to, to operate within the box. The big thing for me with with uh, Hall was and why he's not like a, an RB1 guy for me was. Mm-hmm. I said this a lot through the season where he'd have like 
18 carries, 134 yards, and two touchdowns. And his long would be like 83 yards. It's like, so the other 17 carries, he got like 30 yards. That happened way, a little too much for my liking. Uh, but moving on to wide receivers, Devin, this is, I think this is going to be one where we're going to be very split. Who's your, who's your wide receiver five? Uh, my receiver five is uh, Jamison Williams uh, from Alabama. And for me, I see the dynamic big playability. I see the ability to, to threaten, uh, you know, at all levels of the field, uh, the, the yak yardage and, and just everything about that is, is complete. You know, he, he's a, a big time threat that, that can score from anywhere on the field. The problem is with me is that I, I, he struggles with physicality and he struggles being able to uh, fight through that and, and be able to, to make, uh, you know, those contested catches uh, when when someone is, is pressed up on him. And, and you know, I, I just feel like with, with that, you know, he, he obviously has has a speed and, and teams aren't going to always press him. But but when someone had, matches speed for speed when I'm like Kyrie Elam and even Martin uh, Emerson, Emerson to some degree, it just was very discouraging to see him struggle so much uh, to, to get off. Uh, you know, the, those jams and whatnot. So for me, I think he certainly has one of the higher ceilings of the receiver class, but uh, I just worry that he's going to, if he can't learn how to play better through contact, I, I, I'm afraid he's just going to be a, a deep threat who, you know, can can make those splash plays, but, but never overall uh, develops a whole receiving profile. Plus, I think his route running could be a little bit better uh, than, than what it is now. Wide receiver five for me is Chris Olave. It's a gimmick uh, at Blue Chip. I, I may not hate. Um, <laughs> I, I may not hate Brees Hall, but apparently I do hate Chris Olave. Uh, he's the only one of my top five that's not uh, graded as a first round receiver. I graded him as ninety percent of Devonte Smith. Okay, like I still think that that's a pretty good, a fair comparison for what he does. You've got the speed. You've got the route running. You've got great hands. My big concern is, unlike the other receivers in this class, I don't think he's ever going to be on team's number one receiver. I didn't. I don't really think that outside of Philadelphia, Devontae Smith would be someone's like wide receiver one with a bullet, like their top passing you know, pass catching target. And I don't think that that's going to be the case with Chris Olave either. I still really like him. I think he's the best route runner in the entire draft. I just. Don't I worry about his upside? Is he going to be a guy that you 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 see in the Pro Bowl for like two, three, four, five years, or is he going to be a guy that's like a solid number two in a good offense? Yeah, I think those are valid concerns because he's my uh, wide receiver four. Um, and, and really, I don't think it's an indictment that he's not in the top three. I think it's just more so like. I feel like the three guys I have ahead of them have a trump card. Like there is something they can do that no matter what, what type of coverage you're playing or what you're throwing at them, they're going to find a way to win. And I think with Olave, he can do that, but it, there's not a consistent reason why, if that makes sense, like down the field, like he doesn't always win in contested catch situations. Does he always separate the air? Not always. I think he's a great ball tracker, and I think, you know, he's, he's going to be a, a very dynamic player and where, you know, you, you give him the ball, he's going to make things happen. But I don't see someone that's just completely unguardable in some facet of their game where I see these other three guys for me. Wide receiver four for me, Devin, is Drake London. Uh, he's the one big-bodied receiver in this entire draft class at the top as I dropped my microphone. No one saw that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> they'll hear it though they'll hear it though uh yeah no uh, if he had competent quarterback play you really wonder what type of numbers he could have put up um you can see where some would value him as as the top uh wide out in the class he's quite a bit behind the top three uh won't judge you if he's your wide receiver one um i just think that regardless of where he lands, he has the ability to be a team's lead wide out in, in his first two seasons. Why he edges out Chris Olave. Yeah. That, and, and London actually is my receiver three. Um, there we I, go. Uh, I, I just think with, with his ability uh, to, to, you know, just 
be a monster at the catch point and you know it, he's going to be a reliable red zone target early on and and you know he, he has uh kind of that Brandon Marshall-esque ability I, I really like that that comp I can't remember who brought it to the table but I think Brandon Marshall is a good comp for him because I, I see someone he's going to win on the outside he's going to win from the slot uh you know because he's able to do both um, it, and, you know, maybe a team, you know, uses them as a big slot, especially like near the red zone and then use them as an outside receiver in other situations. But I think you you have someone you can throw a little bit all over the field. I think that kind of matters in terms of the evaluation, too. Can you be an inside out type of guy? And I think you can be. My wide receiver three is your wide receiver five because it's Jameson Williams. Speed kills in today's NFL. Devin kills. Every year we have someone where we get comp where they get comp to Tyreek Hill without the off-field issues. And I almost did that with this year with Jameson Williams. And then I realized that I can't like you can't compare a receiver every year to Tyreek Hill. Um, I ended up comparing him to Jerry Judy because I feel like he's got a, a lot of the same uh, you know speed and fluidity uh, as Judy. I don't think he's as good of a route runner as Jerry Judy, but I don't think many people are as good of a rent runner as Jerry Judy was coming out of Alabama. They're talking about a guy that's that's in the four twos. That's still a really good route runner, good hands. Um, absolutely lethal. Um, yeah. You could have gone Henry Ruggs, but then that's another guy where you have to stay without the off field. The big concern is how's he going to recover from his ACL, uh, which I think he'll be fine to play by the time the season starts. So I'm not concerned. He's a top 15 player in the class for me, Devin. Yeah, I, I, I certainly, certainly get why he's, he's up there. And, and I think our one and two are going to be the same, like same order. I think. Yeah, probably. So number two for me is Trey Burks. Oh, um, never mind, son of a bitch. <laughs> well, there we have it. Yeah, first, first dis- disagreement, but no. Um, for me. I, there's just such a special ability with Traylon Burks. Like to me, I understand the route running isn't there. Um, the, the true, what is he going to play position? But when you have a dude that can take a screen 90 yards and be untouched down the field, like just absolute gazelle down the field. I, I just think you got to have that special talent. Like it, it doesn't matter where you put them, where you line them up. You can use them as Debo Samuel. You can use them as A.J. Brown, whoever you want to use them as. I think he's going to be a productive NFL player, has a return background, um, you know, can can play, uh, you know, that, that jet sweep running back if you want to. You do whatever you want with him. But I think that special ability after the catch and his ability to, to play above the rim too, I think that's something a little bit underrated about his game. I do have some mitts, you know, he can go up and get the football. So when you got somebody like that, you, you got to have him uh, inside the top 10, top 15. I don't understand why he's being talked about in the late twenties. I don't think he's going to be there personally because there's just no way someone's going to pass on those type of measurables at, at the NFL level. Uh, Garrett Wilson is my wide receiver too. Uh, I think he's very comparable to Terry McLaurin and I, I'm I'm still sitting here all these years later holding the fattest L on Terry McLaurin, who was like wide receiver 19 for me that year. I've learned, guys, Garrett Wilson is fucking amazing. Um, yeah, he's not exactly going to be like this this blazer, but he's got good speed, six foot, 185. I mean, we all saw the, the catch against Clemson when he was a true freshman. Jeez Louise. I mean, the dude's got hops for days. Um, I think right away he's the team's number, number two wide receiver, and – probably by end of year two or three, he's the number one receiver. I think that he's got insanely high upside. Uh, Garrett Wilson's one where I'm not entirely sure why people don't like him. Uh, like I've seen him as low as like wide receiver seven or eight for, for people. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so Devin, I'm going to let you just talk about Garrett Wilson now. Cause he, I know he's your wide receiver one. Yep. Yep. Uh, with his creativity, uh, you know, after, you know, the line of scrimmage and just being able to, uh, just create separation at all levels of the field. Uh, plus, you know, he, he's just everything about his game is smooth. You know, there's there's no wasted movement. There's no, uh, you know, hitch in his step, any of those types of things. He just gets it done. And and I love everything about his game, uh, inside out ability, uh, ability to play above the rim, uh, just so smooth and, and fluid. And, and I, I completely understand 
you know, people that you know may not be as high as on high on him, but but when you have Stefan uh, Diggs esque ability to create separation, you're gonna find a role at the NFL level. Wide receiver number one for me, Devin, is Traylon Burks. I compared him to AJ Brown, so you mentioned it earlier. I think there's a lot of the same with him being 6'2", 225, built like a fucking house, uh, you know, and can take a screen past 90 yards, let his yak work do the talking. Uh, when you watch him, the A.J. Brown comparison jumps off the screen, and A.J. Brown's going to be a guy making $22, $23 million a year. I think they're almost one-to-one comparisons at this point. Oh, absolutely. I think I think they're both going to be – I mean – Bruce, I think he's he's just gonna find a way to to be a game breaker at the NFL level. I, I just have no doubt about that. Uh, all right, moving on to one of the positions that's definitely not like strong in terms of top heavy and having like elite talent, but it's pretty deep. You'd have to say, Devin. Yeah, I think it's, that day two is is loaded with 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 tight ends. So who's tight end five for you? Ooh, this one's a tough one. Uh, tight end five for me, uh, actually, it, it ended up being, and I'm checking right now as I'm, I'm looking through my uh, my rankings, uh, but, but tight end five for me is, I think it's, uh, actually, it's Daniel Bellinger. Ooh. Um, and, and he's someone that's, that's kind of uh, really grown on me over the course of, of, of this year, but with what he brings to the table, uh, a, a true inline blocker, someone that that's a little bit better uh, in the receiving game than people give him credit for. Uh, he's someone that's, that's very dynamic with the ball in his hands. Uh, not not very dynamic, but dynamic with the ball in his hands, and, and really showed me at the Senior Bowl especially that he can not only play, uh, you know, some some high level football, but, but be a a true. Uh, you know, versatile player. And, and I think for him, he's going to find a, a role more quickly than some of these other guys, because uh, I think he's a little bit more uh, developed and refined in terms of what he brings to the table. Um, you know, I, I could see him like, you know, being used as a second tight end immediately, someone more of the, the in block in line type of dude, uh, but, but also be in the flats and, and be able to, to make uh, some contributions and, in, in the game. So, so I like Daniel Bell- Bellinger as my tight end five. I didn't like Daniel Bellinger. I'm not going to lie. I really didn't like Daniel Bellinger. Uh, he scored a sixth round grade for me, Devin. And I really just think he's, he's going to be a blocking tight end at the next level. Uh, so you and I are a little different on that. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how different we are on this. My wide receiver five on the complete opposite end of that spectrum is Jelani Woods from Virginia. Simply put, I know one season of kind of middling production at Virginia, he just kind of happened to luck his way into eight touchdowns. Uh, he's entirely athletic upside of potential. You can't teach 6'7", 253 with a four six one. If someone's able to develop him, he's going to be a really good tight end at the next level. He's definitely a boomer bust at the position. Uh, he just cracked my top 100. Um, again, He's just such a big target, and he's so athletic for his size. You just want to, to, to use him like a ball of clay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he's certainly going to be uh, someone that, you know, is going to take some time to develop. He's just outside my top five. I think he's like seventh or eighth on, on my list. But, but, but I like what he brings to the table. Number four for me is, is uh, um, Jeremy Rucker from Ohio State. Um, I, I think there is – a lot to like with this game. I think, you know, he brings the ability to to block in line. Uh, didn't really get used a ton in the passing game because of the dynamic weapons Ohio State has. But, but from what I saw and even down at the senior bowl, there were flashes of dominance. Uh, I think he had like three or four touchdowns against Indiana this year, probably the, his best game on film. Um, and, and then uh, down at the senior bowl uh, through a couple practices, he was clearly the best tight end there. So, uh, I really like his ability. I, I think he still needs some development. Uh, there's just not a, a lot of consistency in his route running and uh, ability to create separation. But I think he's someone you can can kind of mold in, into what you want him to be. And, and if he's in line, you can use him in line or use him as an H-back. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert is also my, my tight end for. I think he's a move tight end at the next level. Uh, it's a shame that he – like he would have been a feature part of – any other teams receiving it, you know, uh, 
like, you know, passing attack. Unfortunately, he just happened to be on the same team as, like, Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and the guys from last year. Like, they're just – he's never been anything higher than, like, a fourth receiving option. Um, not a great blocker, but he's not exactly traffic cone either. I think he's going to be kind of like a 15 to 20 catch guy as a rookie and develop a little bit more uh, as, as his playtime increases. Solid guy. Don't think he's 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 gonna be a tight end one anytime soon, but he's definitely gonna be a pass catching specialist at tight end, kind of that big slot role. For sure. Uh tight end three for me. Um and it, it ended up being um Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. Um someone that that I, I, I had to watch a little bit more to to kind of appreciate what he brings to the table. Uh, but but what he does is is be a uh, a true I think it's gonna be a true move tight end uh, like slot receiver kind of that Evan Ingram type of role um, where when you kind of use him in, in matchup scenarios but but I really like his ability to to what he brings out there the catch didn't test all that great but, but I think uh, his his profile and, and ability to to create separation in one on one situations it's gonna be uh, value at the NFL level. Uh, Isaiah likely ended up being my, my tight end six. Um, he was a third round grade on film, but poor athletic testing dropped him down around. I comped him to Josh Oliver. Solid comp. Tight end three for me is Kate Otten out of Washington. I compared him to the Diet Pepsi version of Pat Fryermuth. Uh, versatile move tight end, big slot. Again, horrible uh, QB play at Washington. Uh, was the only player on that offense worth a damn this year. Do-it-all style tight end. Think he's best as kind of a, you know, again, like that Pat Fryermuth role. Put him up in the slot. Just let him go get the ball because he's like six foot five, 250, uh, with decent athletic pro, you know, profile. Um, I think his, his floor is kind of a, you know, low-end tight end one or a high-end second tight end on the depth track. Kind of basically what we see David and Joku as. Yeah, that makes sense. Is uh, tight end two, end, <clears throat> two and one are, are probably pretty obvious. But uh, <laughs> for me, Greg Dosage is tight end two. Yep. Uh, Trey McBride is tight end one. Yep. Um, Dosage, I, he's, he's been very impressive uh, this season in, in the pre-draft process. I think he, he checks all the boxes. Uh, someone that that can be a, a versatile, you know, tight end one or tight end two, uh, depending on your needs. I think tight end two probably immediately, but but I think he's able to threaten the seams. Uh, you know, really, really has some nice rack ability. Um, a better blocker than give him credit for in the trenches too. I think you know he, he's he's going to be very very solid at at the uh, NFL level to to handle some of those uh, you know bigger uh, you know. Uh, quicker defensive ends, uh, it, but, but I would like to see him as a move piece early on. Let, let him threaten the seams and, and uh, continue to round out his game. Uh, tight end two for me is also Greg Dulcich. I compared him to Dawson Knox coming out of Ole Miss. I thought they were very similar. Obviously, we've seen Dawson Knox go from kind of a lost man in that Ole Miss um, offense to being one of the better move tight ends in the entire uh, NFL. Blocking's come a long way, but he's still got room to grow. Think he'll be uh, a favorite of teams that like having like an inline tight end and then having a big slot move tight end. Dulcich is a former wide receiver, so he's got a, a bevy of routes that he knows how to run. He's got good hands, has a good separation package and release package. Uh, definitely, as soon as I as soon as I, I watch Greg Dulcich, I'm like, man, I think the second best tight end is is pretty much clinched at this point. Uh, and then. As you met, so tight end one, Trey McBride, most well-rounded tight end. Uh, if only he had any form of talent around him. He was the offense just on his own playing tight end. Um, I think that his ceiling is a uh, top 10 at the position. If not higher. See that. I can certainly see that. I mean, I, he's he's just the, the complete package, exactly what teams look for. And, and I really have no complaints about his game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to the offensive line and we'll start with, with the tackle before we get to that, Devin, I just want to say that if you want to support the show, you can head on over to our friends over at jerseyhouse.ca and order a 
NBA, NHL, MLB, custom made, college basketball, college football, um, Jersey, you know, high school as well. They've got for certain players. Use the promo code Big Shots for 15% off your next order at jerseyhouse.ca. I cannot wait tonight to break out the Donovan Mitchell jersey uh, for the game against the Dallas Mavericks. That jersey is badass. I absolutely love it. And you, you help give back to the show because they send some money our way whenever you guys use our code. All right, Devin, we talking offensive tackles? Yes, sir. All right. Where are you at with this tackle class before we, we, we hear tackle five from you? Yeah, so I think the top three are very clear. Uh, I don't think there's really any debate about that in terms of who they are and, and what they bring to the table. Um, and, and then, you know, as, as it gets, I, I, I think the top five to me is, is pretty, pretty cut and dry in terms of who it is uh, and what they bring to the table. You say that uh, and then you'll hear mine and you won't think that. Well, for me, at the very okay. least, not, not necessarily everyone else, but... Um, you know, I, I, I like I like who the, the, the players at the top. Uh, I know you are a little bit lower on one uh, Trevor Penning, which is probably not going to crack your top five, uh, but, but we'll see what happens. All right. So who is your your, your offensive tackle five? Uh, yeah. Five for me is Trevor Penning. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> he's tackle uh, six for me. So there you go. Yeah, so so he's five for me, and I think it is because, like, I see what he brings to the table at the, you know, in terms of physicality. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing about him. He's, he's a very physical player, someone that imposes their will during the course of the game and the run game, too, especially uh, pass, pass protection. He does a nice job passing off stunts. But I think te- technically wise, he still has a ways to go in terms of being a more consistent, uh, you know, initial puncher, uh, m- more consistent uh, in not getting uh, allowing defenders hands to get in on the inside and, and walking back into the quarterback um, and, and just be a, a more controlled player on the field. I think he, I think he had like 16 personal fouls or something like that or 16 penalties or something like that against yeah, him. Yeah, it's, it's not great. So he has to be way more disciplined than, than he already is. But, but I think just based on his ability and, and, and what, what he brings to the table, I, I think he's someone that I think uh, can, can very well uh, be, be a solid uh, left tackle at the NFL level, but, but he just needs to, to be more consistent and, and uh, kind of strip down to the, the basics and, 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 you know, be able to, to handle some of the, uh, the the password ability that's going to be thrown to him thrown to him at the NFL level. Tackle five for me, Devin is Sean Ryan out of UCLA. I haven't heard a peep on this guy in months. Uh, I had to double check that he was still in this draft class. To be honest with you, I haven't heard anything about Sean Ryan since October. But I think a lot of it is the whole arm length thing. And sure, his his arms aren't exactly what you would consider uh, threshold meeting. However. I do think that like whether he's at tackle or he's at guard, he's a year one starter right away. He's either a tackle that can start or he's a guard that has tackle movement skills. This is a no brainer for me. I don't know why more people aren't talking about Sean Ryan. Yeah. He just missed on on me. He's, he's OT six. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just think, you know, he, he's very good, very athletic and what he brings to the table. Um, you know, just, just, play straight issues for me when when I graded him um and and just being uh more consistent with his hand placement but but he's certainly in 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 that discussion for sure uh as as tackle five uh but but tackle four for me is Tyler Smith from Tulsa um I I really like his his overall game everything about his game is solid uh was able to to operate uh, at a high level played against Ohio State this year for Tulsa and, and uh looked really really good in that game uh you know consistent hand hand placement uh punch uh you know borderline first round grade for me uh, can drive dudes out, off the line of scrimmage so so he brings all that that you would like to see from a player and I like everything about him so I, I like him as my OT4 Tyler Smith is also my OT4 I think that his if you put them on a similar timeline to the way the Cowboys used Lyle Collins as a rookie, they're going to be pretty similar tackling college that might start off at guard and then move back out to tackle dudes only 21 years old. 
really high ceiling, great athlete. think he's really overlooked. Everyone wants to talk themselves into guys like Penning and Ryman. Tyler Smith is better, and he's younger than both. He's a couple years younger than both because Penning's 24. Ryman turns 25 this year. Um, having that three-year buffer, uh, I have no problem with Tyler Smith going in round one. I do have a problem with guys like Raymond and Penning going in round one. Um, just great, just missed out on being a first-round grade at the tackle position for me. I think he should be the first tackle off the board after the big three. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think three, our next three are going to be the same in order. Three for me Who's is Charles three? Cross. Yes. Um, <laughs> best pass protector, in my opinion, in, in the draft. Uh, very efficient with his ability to move side to side. Uh, really no major holes in this game. Want to see him be better in the run game and, and just be stronger in the trenches. But, but overall, there's really no – uh, major flaws with him in terms of uh, I, I think he's going to be a franchise left left tackle immediate one of the better pass protectors in the NFL uh, with his ability to, to replace hands and and uh, you know kind of stymie pass rushers but I do think he needs to, to continue to round out his overall game but but everything about him I like so so he's he is my uh, tackle three He's also my tackle three. Uh, Devin, if you know me, you know that up until last year with Panay Sewell, that Laramie Tunsil was my highest graded offensive tackle ever. Charles Cross got compared to 90% of Laramie Tunsil. So that's a pretty damn good, uh, damn good, um, uh, that, that's some damn good praise is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Like you said, best pass rush, uh, uh, pass protector in the, in the class. Uh, by far the most pass rush, uh, pass, uh, pass, protection reps i have past rush reps in my article i gotta change that up that's my fault uh good run blocker too he actually grades out pretty well according to pff as a run blocker so despite the fact he's not necessarily had a lot of reps at it he's not bad at it either wrote his full report on blue chip scouting uh possibly the highest ceiling out of any player in this class floor is also really high which is he's not a boomer bust i think some of the the, the questions just come down to system form being um, you know, as part of Mike Leach's system, uh, who's offensive tackle two for you? Uh, offensive tackle two is like him, Aquanu. Yeah, <laughs> so our top three at the same I think order. he's the, the best run blocker yeah. of, of, all, <laughs> right of the tackles. Off my article, <laughs> um, and and I think you know, he's, he's gonna immediately be a road grader at the NFL level, uh, just, just completely clearing out lanes and, and whatnot. I think just as a pass protector, he needs to be more patient. In terms of his punches, I feel like sometimes he's lunging or reaching, a uh, little over anxious to to get his man. But but everything about his game, uh, I think it is rock solid, and he's certainly a franchise left tackle. Uh, he actually ended up as a number seven on my or number six on my big board, uh, right ahead of Charles. Get out Cross. of my head, Devin. He's number so, six on my board as well. And there you have it. Literally everything you just said was in my article this mo- uh, on Thursday morning at bluechipscouting.com. I love me some Akema Kwanu. I was thinking at the beginning of the year, like, oh, is Akema Kwanu going to be like this year's version of Darisaw for me? <laughs> it kind of was. I mean, yeah, he, he took off pretty quickly. Yeah, he went from like, oh, he's going to be like a fun second round guard because he played guard uh, in 2020 to being like, oh, He's moving outside to tackle. He might be kind of like a top 50-ish guard slash tackle, kind of that of Elijah Vera Tucker. And no, he just turned out to be amazing in this road grading tackle, which again, reminds me a lot of Christian Derrissaw. Um, yeah, so I I, I think we, we can probably both say that Evan Neal is offensive tackle one. Yep. You don't make six seven three forty that athletic. Uh, the balance issues that I had coming into the year, they're gone. He really cleaned up his technique this year. Run scheme, uh, run heavy scheme, pass heavy scheme, doesn't really matter. I think he's the cleanest and the safest tackle prospect in this year's class. I compared him to Bryant McKinney and Mackay Becton. Yeah, very, very solid. Uh, I, I think he's going to be, you know, a, a really good player uh, at, at the NFL level. And, and and he's ended up as number two on my big board, so – uh, he, he's very good. Yeah. Not, not much needed. No. <laughs> Tackle was going to be the easiest one for us to go through. Uh, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by interior as we finish off here. So who is interior offensive lineman five for you? 
All right, number five. You, you really got to do a better job of organizing your board, man. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but no, uh, interior offensive lineman number five for me is Dylan Parham. Ooh, uh, from he's, he's sixth for me, so. Yeah, so I, I I love everything about his game. I thought his Houston tape was was one of the best in the class in terms of just being able to handle uh, what what was thrown at him and, and you know, just, just being able to, to really stymie Logan Hall, but – I like the his ability, uh, lateral ability movement, um, you know, ability to replace his hands, uh, you know, really a, a great hand fighter in the trenches. Does a really good job in the run game, too. So so uh, he is o, o, uh, OT5 for me. Or an interior offensive lineman five. I knew what you meant. Uh, for me, it's Jamari Salyer out of uh, Georgia. Good athlete, plenty of power, uh, you know, largely was the one responsible for creating the holes for Georgia's running game. 325 phone booth type of guy. Um, length concerns are going to be a knock on him, but I think right away he'll be a starter in his first two seasons. Uh, he'll be a long-term starter. I think you put him in the right scheme, power run, don't expect him to do too much movement, and you've got you've got a stud on your hands. Sure. He's going to be rock solid at the NFL level. All right. Uh, number four for me is uh, Cole Strange from Chattanooga. Oh, um, okay. He just edged out uh, a few other guys for me, but but I, I, I love everything about his game. I think he's, uh, you know, can has that guard, uh, you know, or has that guard versatility uh, outside of playing center as well, but uh, I like what I saw down the senior ball, like this film. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, a really solid player in, in the interior uh, for, for me. So that's why he ended up as interior offensive lineman four for me. Uh, but, but I really like his game. Uh, interior offensive lineman four for me. Sorry, we are going fast. We've been going for a while. Uh, <laughs> uh, interior offensive lineman four for me is in your neck of the woods, Devin up at LSU, Ed Ingram. Uh, stud at the senior bowl, one offensive lineman of the week. Uh, did his full scouting report on blue chip scouting, but you know, um, scheme diverse may not be a starter right away, depending on which landing spot, but I think he might be one of the best uh, like value picks pro ready to go in round two or three. Uh, again, another type of phone booth guy, but he's got a little athleticism in him. Uh, he's not exactly like the 325, 330 type of phone booth guy. He's about 310, 315. Um, just again, strong, good athlete, good pass pro, good and run pro. Don't really think he's got all that low of a floor. Um, you know, don't think his ceiling's necessarily high, but that's why he's, you know, off uh, interior offensive lineman four and not in the top three. For sure. Uh, top three, I think uh, we might have some, some sort of form. We, of might have the, we might have the top three in order again. So Kenyon Green is uh, interior offensive lineman three for me. Um, I, I think it, he's he's going to be a, a really good projection to the NFL level. Uh, play tackle, play guard, but really like him in the interior. I think he, he fits better there, and, and the run blocking ability is is there already. Even the lateral movement and pass blocking as well. He does a really nice job uh, being efficient in in, in his strikes and uh, being able to to uh, you know slow down pass rushes. So I, I like him as a tier offensive line of three. I have Zion Johnson out of Boston College as interior offensive lineman three. I think he's a starting guard at the next level. The glue guy um, for the Boston College offensive line. Uh, they played wherever they needed him to. He got some reps in at center at the, at the senior bowl. I think his best positions could be guard. Um, you know, we've seen him connected at the end of round one a lot. Teams like, uh, I don't know, the Cardinals, because they seem to just not need not ever decide that they need offensive linemen. They just want to go with all the cute gadget defensive players or just more wide receivers. Um, but no, I think that he would do great in a, for a team like that. He can really be a, like a veteran, be a leader on that, uh, you know, on any offensive line he goes to, even as a, uh, a rookie or a young player, I think he's just that damn good. He's just solid. There, I don't necessarily know if he's got a high ceiling, but his floor is probably higher than anyone else in this uh, in this uh, class at the position. Uh, I love me some Zion Johnson. He, he's IOL three for me. So who's your second? Uh, Zion Johnson yeah. and then uh, Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, 
Johnson actually is a top 15 player on my board. Uh, that, that's how that's how much I really like his ability. Uh, he missed out by being entire offensive lineman one by one and a half points between him and, and Tyler Linderbaum. So I, I liked everything about his game. Uh, just I, I, I really saw very few weaknesses in this game. I think he's going to be someone that uh, is a, a 10-year star at the NFL level, uh, multiple, uh, you know, uh, Pro Bowl appearances. I, I, I really think he's going to be a really good player at the NFL level. Um, and, and I think he could go off the board earlier than Tyra Linderbaum because that's how the NFL operates. Um, I have Kenyon Green, uh, too. Uh, I thought he was the most fun offensive lineman to watch. Uh, the dude just sent dudes uh, – the guy just sent dudes flying. I think it's uh, Arkansas where he gets a hold of this poor defensive back and just drive blocks him for like 35 yards. Uh, plug and play at left guard. Put him in a power-based system profit for 10 15 years uh first round grade on film top 10 player on my board if i remember correctly taking a look now uh he is no he top 15 top 15 uh on film though he's a top 10 player on uh on my board but again kind of kind of meh athletic testing which i mean i didn't expect him to be a great athlete but i expect him to be a little bit better than he showed uh, don't think it matters. You put him as a left guard in a power run system. And then number one, Tyler Linderbaum. I comped him to Jason Kelsey, who's been like one of the top three centers in the league for the last decade. Um, I really like Tyler Linderbaum. Um, how much do I like Tyler Linderbaum? He's my seventh overall player in this class. No, I don't care that he's got short arms because everyone likes to go, well, you know, uh, Garrett Bradbury was a very similar player. Garrett Bradbury couldn't drive block me. Tyler Linderbaum could stonewall a grizzly. Um, I don't think that they're comparable at all. I, I love Tyler, Tyler Linderbaum. I think that you're getting Jason Kelsey. And yeah, there's the argument that Jason Kelsey was a sixth round pick. Well, if Jason Kelsey, as we knew him, were in this class, he's going in round one. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. No disagreements for me there. I mean, I don't have much to add. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of the, well, you know, short arms and, and a little bit lighter of a center. Like Garrett Bradbury was that. Garrett Bradbury really had no upper body strength and no, no real solid base to work with. He was more athlete than he was offensive lineman, whereas Tyler Linderbaum was a perfect blend of both. I mean, he could have been a first rounder last year. So, yeah. I think he's gonna fall. I think he's gonna fall out of round one because the NFL is gonna overthink it. They overthought Creed Humphrey last year, so that's okay. Someone's gonna trade up for him early in round two. Yeah, because I don't. You know what? Someone's gonna trade back into round one for him because I. I don't. I can't risk the Jags getting him and ruining him. Anything else you want to say before we get on out of here? Nah, I'm. I'm excited because uh, I'm. I'm releasing this big board and man, um, it, it has been a quite a ride this year <laughs> i will say the least but but uh I'm, I'm excited to release it and um you know finally uh put you know put that out and, and finally have a kind of a finished product and then you know uh, get this class officially done with because once i put that out i'm not putting anything else out in terms of any written, written content for the no mock draft eh no man i don't know Maybe, maybe I'll do it this week, and we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. Find Devin on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting on Twitter at Blue Chip Scout. We will see you guys on Monday.